0: It's summer. And what a great time of year summer is. Right? Um, The whole rhythm. Why is this summer? Because June is when all you parents of little kids have to go to ball games every night of the week. In July, that stops. It's summer. You can rest, relax, enjoy your time. And so, kind of in the spirit of that, of resting and relaxing and Sabbath I have a question for you. If Jesus appeared in the flesh as he was sitting in the chair next to you or if he walked in the room what would his face look like when he saw yours? What would Jesus' face be He walked through that door right now and saw you. What would be on his face? I heard somebody say this last week. They said, he wouldn't even look at me. He has more important things to do. Another thing I heard was, um, it would be a forced smile and a nod. He knows me but he's kind of keeping his distance. Another, it would be a concerned, questioning look. Like, what the heck have you been up to? What would it be? A smile? A laugh? Look down? What would Jesus face be towards you if he walked into the room right now. That was the target question and lead into question to talk about joy. Because I don't know but is there anything that's scarcer in our world today than joy? I I used to be and I'm so glad I'm not anymore, caught up in the political stuff. But people who are caught up in the political stuff, oh my. You know what they think of the other side? They think the other side are idiots. And they're more than happy to tell you that. And I don't care which side you're talking about. Because I am old enough to remember what it was like to be Republican during eight years of Obama. And we thought his followers were stupid. And now it's flipped the other side and people who think of Trump's followers think they're stupid. Now why do I bring that up? Because neither side in that debate has any joy. There's no joy. Alright, we'll move away from politics. You went to mow the yard this week, jumped on your mower, turned the key, or pulled the string. Whatever you, I don't think anybody here have one of those tumbler mowers? Okay, so everybody has some kind of motor on their and it won't start. What was your response when your mower wouldn't start? Hallelujah, praise God. No. No, no, no. That's not your response, right? Or your car won't start, or you have a flat tire, or the milk's gone bad, or you broke your shoestring, or... Right? Think of how quickly our joy is stolen. We wake up, we hear the birds singing, it's a beautiful morning, and the coffee's bad, the creamer's gone, your shoestring, the toothpaste is out, Think of how small it takes of a thing for joy to vanish. If it was even there to begin with. Many people start the day with a very short prayer that goes like this. Good God morning. Right? And I'm here to tell you this morning as I'm sweating because it's hot in here That joy is not based on your circumstances and joy is not optional if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. It's not an option. We are supposed to be joyful. Well, great. That's one more thing I need on my list, Tony. One more thing I've got to do. Work in joy somewhere in my life. If that's what you heard, have I got good news for you. That wouldn't be joy. But so many times in our life we do not have joy. Some say the solution is don't worry be happy. Right? You know that song? It's a fun song. But if that song can change your life I really wonder about you. You know what I mean? Because your sister or brother or mother or dad or aunt or uncle or neighbor is dying from cancer. And if your response to that is, ah, don't worry, be happy. I question how deep you go, right? What's going on in your heart? Don't worry. Be happy. (laughs) So, here we stand looking full into this world of war where there is trauma, pain, hardship, sin, and death. And many times, the, the Christian response is to, well, just be happy. Just be happy. It'd be okay. Well, look, somebody dying from cancer, and you can just say, oh, well, it doesn't matter. You know what that means to me? Either you're not the one with cancer or you don't care much about the other person. So if you live in a little cocoon where everybody else's troubles don't bother you, well, yeah, be happy. Not my problem. I'm not the one dying until you're the one dying. And then what? Um, Sticking our head in the sand while Rome is burning... Is not an adult way to live. Yet we are commanded to have joy. How? How can we have joy in the face of hardship and trauma and pain? How? Well, just forget about it. What most of us do is we're not looking, what we want is relief. And we think that relief brings joy. So many people plan their vacations and and their time off to have relief. But it's not just the vacation that gives us relief. It's all kinds of things that give us relief. Let me ask you. You went to work today and it was one of those days at work. And you're frazzled when you get home. What do you do for relief at the end of the day. I have a fan and a leather chair and a stupid box on the wall. And I plop in that chair, point the fan straight on me and put something stupid on TV and vanish from all of my troubles. That's relief. Some people would eat a brownie for relief. Some people. Might. Drink a little bit. For relief. Not a lot. One or two. Bottles. Some. Might take a pill. Or two. Right? What we're looking for. What we think this world has for us. What we hope Jesus gives. Is relief. But relief is not joy. You know why? Because relief. is has a lifespan. If you choose to drink to get relief, you can drink to the point where you will forget your problem. And then what happens? You sober up. And now whatever problem you had has now had this many hours to get worse while you ran from it. Now how much do you have to drink to get away from that problem? Now, it's easy, most of us are not drinkers, so it's easy to point at the drinkers <clears throat> and say, oh, they're, they're so wrong for their relief. But what do you do for your relief? What do you do to get relief? So at the same time that we have this trauma and hurt and pain and sin, we're to have joy. And the way that we can have joy is at that very same time Jesus is alive in us. He is with us. He brings us life and hope and purpose. He helps us interprets, interpret the events of our life. He is growing us up. He is refining us. So I know there's all kinds of things that happen in your life that make you have a bad day. One of the reasons you have a bad day is because you, you sin and make bad choices. Another reason you had a bad day is because somebody else in your life sinned and made bad choices. One, another reason you have a bad day is because we have an enemy who is opposed. Now, I don't know what happened to the air conditioner here at church, but I know the purpose of why it went out was so that we would have a bad day. Right? So that when we come to fellowship with one another and worship God, to let the joy of our heart overflow, no, we can't do that because it's hot in here. Right? It's hot in here. Can you worship God anyway? Can you have joy anyway? Of course we can. Why? Because Jesus is in here sweating with us. He's here. Um, he said, Jesus that is, that the kingdom of heaven, well let me read it, Matthew thirteen forty four. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field the kingdom of heaven is like treasure the kingdom of heaven is like treasure the kingdom of heaven is like treasure you got me? That's been stolen from us. Our enemy works over time to take that away from us. Yeah. That the kingdom of heaven is a treasure. When you find, I found this stuff this past week on my motorcycle trip. It's called bug slide. <laughs> <laughs> it comes in a squirt bottle. And you squirt the front of your motorcycle with this stuff, and the bugs start sliding off the front of it. <laughs> I am not a paid uh, promoter of that product. But that product was awesome. You need that to keep the bugs off the front of your bike. See how that works? I found something that worked for me, and I have to tell somebody about it. The kingdom of heaven is a treasure. How in the world are you able to keep your lip button? regarding the kingdom of heaven. The only thing I can come up with is that the enemy has stolen the truth from us. We don't really think the kingdom of heaven is a treasure. We think the kingdom of heaven will be a treasure when Jesus comes back after I die. Then it'll be a treasure. It will be a treasure then. But it's a treasure now, today, right here. The kingdom of heaven is a treasure. What gives you joy? It's because you're part of the kingdom of heaven. And what you have in that kingdom of heaven is a treasure. It's awesome to be part of the kingdom of heaven. So this man who found the kingdom of heaven, what did he do? Well, in his joy, he sold everything he had to get the kingdom of heaven. You see, I used to tell people, I still tell them, I'm a one-trick pony. I only have one trick. And the trick is, Jesus. You got a problem? The answer is Jesus. The only thing between point A and point B is us figuring out how Jesus is going to solve that problem. But the answer to every problem you have is Jesus. And that gives me great joy. Aunt Sue's dying with cancer. Jesus is the answer. Right? Your mower won't start. Jesus is the answer. Your shoestring breaks. Jesus is the answer. So, I just want to say in Luke 12, 32, it says, Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. The man who went and sold all that he had to buy the kingdom... That parable is not saying that you have to purchase the kingdom. The purpose of that parable is that it is a great treasure. And it is with joy that you give up everything else to have it. Our Father God gives us the kingdom, we don't buy it by selling everything we have. But you can't have anything plus the kingdom. See, God is everything, right? Can you add anything? This is for the. I should have a math teacher step up here and explain infinity to us. Can you add to infinity? No. Mathematically impossible to add to infinity. God is infinity. If you have God, you have everything. You can't have God plus your ski boat or your motorcycle, or your air conditioner. What you have is God, the kingdom of heaven. And all of these other things are added unto you. So, I think one of the reasons we struggle so much with joy, because we have God, and we have the things that give us relief. And the things that give us relief are temporary fixes at best. They're addictive, and they don't really bring joy. But we have them over here, and we have God over here. It can't be that way. In Philippians 3, verse 7 and 8, Paul said, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss, For the sake of Christ, indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in Him. The surpassing worth of knowing Jesus. What is your treasure? What do you treasure? Notice how quick and easy it was for me to talk about Bug Slide, the treasure of a $6 bottle of Bug Slide, which is a great product. But it's nothing compared to the treasure, the surpassing greatness worth of knowing Jesus. So, what's your conversation filled with? Right? Just on a daily basis. What do you talk about? I, as I get older, I find it harder and harder to talk about the Chiefs and the Royals and the Jayhawks and the weather and the corn and the cars. And I can do it, but man, I get tired of it really quick. Because I'd rather really talk about something that I'm really excited about which is Jesus. So, here we have the loss, living in this world at war. The trauma, the sorrow, the pain, whatever gain I had, I counted it as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss. So that, yes, there is great sorrow and trauma and pain in life. Yes, there is. And I am not telling you to stick your head in the sand or to just don't worry, be happy. That would not be helpful for you. What I'm saying is in the middle of that pain and sorrow and trauma, Jesus is right there with you. And that gives us great joy. While at the same time, we may be crying in pain. God is at work in you to refine you, to mature you, to get you deeper into the spiritual life where you will find great joy. Now, I don't know. I know some people might believe that God caused the air conditioner to break so that we could huddle up in this room and have this deep, intense spiritual moment this morning. And if that's your theology... Okay, it's not mine. What I think is that no matter what happened to the AC unit, God said, watch this. And he took what was trauma and pain and a hardship and said, watch the glory that will come from this this morning. Watch this. Now, if you view life that way, God, I can't wait to see how you glorify yourself in this. There is such anticipation. See, most of us, and me included, I don't like things that hurt. Stop it. It, it, That's uncomfortable. Right? And I get that. We would love to escape trauma. Anybody know how to do that? Because I don't know how to do that. The only escape I know is temporary numbing yourself so that you're unaware of the trauma. That's the only way I know. But that doesn't make the trauma go away. That just makes you incapable of seeing and experiencing it. You know, sometimes that's good, like when they do surgery on our bodies. I want them to knock me out. I don't want to feel that. I get that. But that's no way to live, and that's definitely not the kingdom way to live especially as we are growing and maturing and becoming Christ-like. Could Jesus have skipped the cross? Of course He could. He's God. He could have done anything. But it wasn't what needed to be done. The cross was needed, so Jesus submitted Himself to that. Here. You don't take my life from me. I lay it down for you. See? See the interpretation of life? God, why won't my mower start? Where are you at? That's an option you can go with. (laughs) Will that bring you joy? No? God, why does my temper flare so much when my mower won't start? What are you working on through me, God? Grow me up. I don't want to be... I don't want to be somebody full of rage because my mower won't start or my shoestring breaks, right? So, work is hard. Marriage is hard. Relationships are hard. Church is hard. Brownies make me feel better. Or TV, or alcohol, or anxiety meds, or a little smoke or a little porn, or a little of my soap, or what. I just need a bit. I just need some relief. And I am not saying that you should not be kind to yourself. You should be kind to yourself. God is kind to you. His mercies are new every morning. But what I am saying is that God is at work through All of the pain, sorrow, suffering, trauma, tragedy in your life. I'm not saying God caused any of that. I'm saying He is using all of it to produce joy in you by bringing refinement to who you are. But most of us would rather have relief than refinement. How about you? Matthew 6.21, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What are you treasuring? Your relief or your refinement? I've used this analogy before of working out, temporarily making life harder to make you better. That's what working out is, right? Those weights do not need to be moved. They're perfectly fine where they were. But we go in there and voluntarily move weights around, making life harder to make ourselves better. That's the process God is in. So when hard comes, you can shrink back and run away. And then the next time, it will take less hard to make you back up and run away. And, you know, I've been keep bringing up a shoestring or cancer. Can you think of any wider range of suffering than my shoestring broke or somebody's got cancer? But that's what happens. We get all the way down to where cancer, oh no, the car won't start, oh no, I got fired from my job, oh no, my shoestring broke, oh no. Because that's what happens. When you don't exercise, when you lay in bed day after day after day, atrophy You lose your muscles, right? And you can't walk, and you can't do anything. Same thing in the spiritual life. Where's your treasure? Because that's where your heart is. And if you treasure relief, that's where your heart will be. If you treasure refinement, the kingdom of heaven, the intimate growing growing up in Jesus, that's a deep treasure. Psalm 16, verse 8. I have set the Lord always before me. Because He is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. The Lord is right here with me all the time. When my mower won't start, Jesus' mower won't start. When my cousin has cancer, Jesus' cousin has cancer. You see that? He's with me in the tragedy, in the joy, He is with me. And when I am aware of that and I set Him there... I don't set Him there. He's always there. The difference is my eyes are open and I know He's there. You know, we used to say, when you run away from God, turn and run back to Him. You can turn, but you don't need to run. He's right there. God is with you. I have set the Lord always before me. Because He is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Stirred, but not shaken. Right? Yeah, it's it's trauma. Yeah, it's pain. Yeah, it hurts. Yeah, I'm crying. But I'm not shaken. I know so many stories of people who have had tragedy in their life and their response is to curse God and die. Right? And the sad thing is, I wish that was just unchristian people. I see the same thing in followers of Jesus. Something bad happens. Why did you do this, God? I set the Lord always before me because He is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Jesus is here. When I'm in pain, He's in pain. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure because Jesus is with me and I am aware of it. My heart is glad When you discover that someone has cancer, it's not a good day for anybody, especially if you're the one that's been diagnosed with cancer. How can you be glad? Because as you deal with cancer, Jesus is with you. What's the alternative? You can deal with cancer alone. See, those are your two options. We think that somehow there's a third choice, that cancer goes away. I hate to be a bubble popper. But we live in a world at war that is full of sin and death. It is under the influence and the reign of the evil one. And it is doomed for destruction and death. That's the world we live in. Do I want that to change? Absolutely. Does God want that to change? Absolutely. Is it going to change? Absolutely. But not today. Unless He comes. And if He comes, bring it on, Jesus. I'm ready. Until then, how do we live in sorrow, tragedy, and pain, and suffering? By knowing that Jesus is right here with me. He lives in me. Right? I am alive because He lives in me. So... My heart is glad. Would it be gladder if the tragedy went away? See, that's the fallacy. We think it would. But if God is everything, the tragedy is nothing. If you can't add to God, you can't take away from Him either. My whole being rejoices. Now look, I am not... When I hit my thumb with a hammer, I can train my mouth to say praise Jesus, but that's not what's in my heart. Right? What's in my heart is, ow, at hurt! Wow! Man! Pain! Ooh, stop it! That's life. And whether it's a hammer on your thumb, or you got fired, or your spouse left you, Or you got cancer, or who knows what. Yes, it hurts. Ouch! And God is right here with me. And we can dwell secure with a throbbing thumb or a broken heart. Because Jesus is with me. Because verse 10, For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, or let your Holy One see corruption. You are the Holy One in this verse. If you're in Jesus' hands, you are secure. If you have cancer, or a car wreck, or get fired, you're secure in Jesus. The option is, not whether you will get fired, have cancer, or be alone. The option is, would you do that with Jesus or with something else? Trying to find relief from pain through temporary, earthly, selfish, self centered ways does not bring joy. It delays suffering, which intensifies the longer and the more you sit in it. Verse 11. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Jesus is here with us right now in this room. He is making known to us the path of life. Here, Tony, step this way. And walk over here. Stand around that. Don't step on that. That will hurt your foot. Come around this way. Now that's it. Good. Got it. Keep coming with me. Move this way. Jesus is making known to me the path of life and to you. He calls you by name. He's leading you. He is with you. Ever present. And in His presence, there's the fullness of joy. The full measure of joy. Joy is based on Jesus, not circumstances. Happy is based on circumstances. Happy flees moment by moment. You know, happy is temporary like this, that you see a motorcycle you want, you buy that motorcycle, and then bugs get all over the front of the motorcycle and you have to clean it. That's happy. Which is why I like the bug slide, makes it easier to clean my bike. Joy is Jesus being in His presence, knowing that I am secure, that I will not be shaken, that whatever comes, I am not alone. He is with me. I have what it takes to do this. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. My heart is glad. My whole being rejoices. Now, In my head, I'm describing something that is probably the rarest things on earth. Because, excluding you people, obviously, I don't see many people living with joy. Do you? you know people that are joyous? Because what I see a lot is a lot of complaining. Right? I see a lot of cursing. I see a lot of, God, where you at? Why didn't you show up? Why did you do this to me, God? I see a lot of that. I see a lot of ankle biting and backstabbing and snipping. It does not come from joy. Jesus' presence equals joy. And pleasures forevermore. I know on the renewal of all things, all this pain and sorrow leaves, and I can't wait for that. I will wait. I don't want to wait for that. I'm ready now. But even now, Jesus gives us pleasure, He loves us. When you have God, you have everything. You don't need a mower that starts or a motorcycle that doesn't have bugs, or a loving spouse. We want all those things. When you have God, you have everything. I know we're in church, and I know the answer is going to be when I ask this question, do you believe that? And everybody shakes their head up and down. So don't answer it that way. Answer it by doing this. Examine what you did this past week. What was your greatest treasure from this past week? What was that? For your treasure is there where your heartbeat. So I'm going to go back to the question I started with. What would uh, Jesus' face look like when you see Him face to face? What will it be in I really wish I had my slide going because i got a really great picture here and you're not going to be able to see it at all. But it's on Facebook. It was drawn by a man in Egypt. And it is a picture of Jesus and a woman. And the woman has her arms thrown around Jesus and has her face buried in his neck and Jesus is doing the same thing. It's a great reunion. If you use your imagination, you can see it here. Can everybody see that? Right. What will Jesus' face look like when he sees you? (gasps) You're here. Right? That's what Jesus' face is when he sees you. Not just on that first day in heaven, right now. Right now. Oh, I'm so glad you're here. It's so good to be with you. You You're so amazing. I just love you. Don't you want that? That's what Jesus offers to you. Now, to me, that is great treasure. To be loved by Jesus that way. That when He sees me, it's like, (gasps) Hey! That's the way Jesus feels towards you. Not because of anything you've done. See, you realize that? And if it's because of something you have done, then that means there's something you could do to separate that. And you can't. And He loves you. It's a joyful reunion. Tears of joy, unable to speak. Oh, Jesus. Every moment is that moment. It's not some future hope because Jesus lives in us. Do you see him? Do you treasure that? Or do you treasure the air conditioner and the fan and some brownies and a good cup of black hot coffee? what's yours, right? What are you treasuring? I treasure relief. Just make it stop. No, I treasure Jesus. And I can do all things through Him. Right? So, where do we want to go today? What do we want to do? Well, we want to see Jesus' face and know what that face looks like when He looks at you. Not when He looks at me. When He looks at you. What's His face look like? Do you have that picture? Do you know what His face is towards you? The way He loves you? Because when you see that, you'll begin to grasp and understand the kingdom of heaven. And this treasure that is worth everything. What would you give up for that? What wouldn't you give up for that? Each one of us has a deep, deep need to be loved. And we try to satisfy that with other humans. And it gets close some days. But it'll never be the real thing. It's just the love of Jesus for you. It's an amazing love that he has for you. Transformational love. It's a love that if you experienced it, people would be saying, like, Tony, would you stop talking about that? I'm tired of hearing that. That's what it would be like. And our enemy comes with that real quick, always. Nobody wants to hear that, Tony. Yes, they do. Everybody wants to be loved. I may need to find better ways to talk about it, but everybody wants to hear about it. Everybody wants life. Everybody wants freedom. Everybody wants to be loved by Jesus. Because that is the great need of man's heart.